All right. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hey, it's me, Stacey Lynn, your sweet and lovable host of this show, Bible News Radio. I am glad that you are here with me right now, whether you're live or whether you're on the replay. Does not matter. If you have an hour or longer, maybe a little bit longer, who knows, then I believe that it will be well spent because I'm here to edify you and to encourage you. Yeah, I am. I have, there's so much, first of all, there's just so much I have to tell you just because, you know, we're buddies. And, um, but before we do that, I want to tell you, please take a moment to subscribe to the show. If you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and make sure the notifications go off so they get alerted when we go live. If you're anywhere else on all the other platforms we're on, Rumble and other places, do the same thing. Uh, and you will get notified when we put up a new episode. So, but don't forget, you can go over to hearttug.org or biblenewsradio.com. Right there, it's on the slide. You can go there. You can sign up for our email list. We're going to be updating the site pretty soon with my brand new book, Pickleball Faith. <laughs> yeah, it is. Pickleball Faith, inspiration on and off the court. Yeah, I. you know what? I am so excited. This is... This book has been, I've, it, I've taken over three years to write this book. And it's, it's short. It's a relatively short book. You probably read it in about an hour or so. Uh, but I'm excited because um, I've totally stepped out of my comfort zone here. And I believe that God wants me to release it now, this time, this time. And um, so you're going to be learning more about that in a little bit. But you can go there. In the meantime, sign up for my email because... In my email, I will send you out show information, stuff about the book, stuff about brand new Bible studies. I have a brand new Bible study beginning January 20th about how do you walk the walk you talk. I think that's what, I think it's called something like that. (laughs) Uh, I've already, I'm I'm, I'm already full. I almost have 20 people in that class. So, you know what? I would love for you to join me and be a part of that class. So uh, just join my email list and you will be the first to learn about stuff and our text message list. That's actually really the text message is really the first place uh, you want to go in order to stay in touch with me. And you can do that by texting Bible news to three, three, two, 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 text that word Bible news to the number three, three, two, two, two. And then you'll be subscribed and you'll get text messages from me. And you'll go, who is this woman? What did I sign up for this? (laughs) I'll go. Yeah, you did. (laughs) I won't sign you up unless you sign up. So just sign up, get the text messages. Also, if you want to join me this year in reading through the Bible, then join my text message called Team Unstuck and get unstuck. Every day I send out a text message asking you where you read in the Word of God that day or nudging you kind of in that direction. And I would love for you to be on that journey with me because I'll tell you what, It is a fun journey, and today I actually finished reading 2 Chronicles, uh, which was technically the last book that I read in the Bible. It took me a little over a year to read through the whole Bible. I'm actually, in truth and disclosure, I'm going to read through 1 and 2 Kings again, even though I read about that in my daily disciples group, which that's another way that we want to encourage you. If you're on Facebook Join my Daily Disciples Facebook group. We have a team of great Christian believers in there that read the Bible every single day. We're literally on our 36th 
book that we have read on video, out loud, on Facebook. We're in there reading God's word. And you know what? That's all we're doing. We're not studying it. We're just reading it because it will change your life if you let it, if you trust the Lord. And so this is what I want to share with you. In in the opening of this, we are going to get to some interesting news about the revealing of the Antichrist and some stuff. If you don't want to hear my opening commentary from the Bible, go ahead, fast forward. It'll probably be about halfway through the show we'll get to the news story because that's what Randall, uh, he, he wanted to make that one of the focus. But I hope you don't fast forward because what I have to share is kind of important, I think. I always share where God is, is encouraging me and leading me in my life. And I have to tell you that recently um, I've had... I've had some really interesting things happen in my personal life, in my, in my, in my, in my recovery, honestly, you know, we all go, we're all on this life journey, right? We're on it together, except separately. We all have, and we're all going to die at some point unless the rapture takes place, which I actually am kind of hoping for. I think that we could truly be in the generation of the rapture, but in the meantime, if we're not, what I can tell you is that we're on the road to being sanctified, right? We're being changed because as we walk closer to the Lord, he calls us to this um, place of, of, of healing and renewal. You know, and it's been, and, and this is kind of a theme in my book too even, is that if you want change, you'll make a way to get change. You know, I always, you know, I always tell people, um, drug addicts are the best people to look at if you want to see change. <laughs> and you're like, what? What do you mean? What I mean is, is that they will do whatever it takes to get money to get their drugs. Doesn't matter. And yet, the interesting thing is that so few people will do the exact same thing to get the good that they need. You know, I, I wrote down this question earlier this morning. Have you ever noticed it's highly rare um, to cave into suggestions of the truth? In other words, it's easier to be, believe a lie than it is to believe the truth, right? And so that's what I want to talk to you about just for a few minutes. Why do you think it's easier to believe the lies of the enemy that that the enemy has put on you from your whole life, from your childhood, through wherever it is you're at today? Why do you think it's easier to stay in a spot where you're comfortable, even though it might not be the best thing for you, right? New Year's, the the, the interesting thing about New Year's is that everybody makes resolutions. I, I don't, actually. Uh, I've learned in my old age to make just goals and to, you know, write things down and to determine what I'm going to do. And I'll tell you what one of mine is. Actually, I did this a couple of days ago. I have uninstalled Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram off from my cell phone. Now, I'm still on all of those platforms, clearly, because I have this program to do. But I've uninstalled those four social media apps from my phone. And I've had, and I have to tell you the first couple of days it was off. I was like, 
Oh my gosh, I'm reaching for my phone to look at Facebook. Oh, I'm reaching for my phone to go through Instagram to kind of just look and waste time. And that's exactly why I removed them from my phone is because I realized that I'm wasting time. I'm just, it's just this, this waste of time and it's not doing anything for my spiritual walk. And so now I have to be intentional. If I'm going to be on these platforms, I have to be on my laptop. But like if I'm walking around or I'm somewhere, if I'm somewhere else and my computer isn't with me, I'm not getting on those platforms and I'm not going to waste time. Time is the only thing that we can't get back, right? And if you have gone through your life in bondage, then you know as you get older the value of time, how much more valuable it really is. And so I'm redeeming the time this year. I'm going to redeem the time. I'm going to write more. I'm going to be intentionally focused on doing what God has called me to do. It's easier, though, to stay comfortable and in bondage. And it's easier to kind of, you know, go, eh, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna, I don't care. And yet, here's the thing. I do care. I care about being free. I care about watching people grow and I care about my own growth. Um, but you know what? Jesus cares even more. I bring this up because um, I have I have a great uh, friend who has walked with me for about 30 years in my life, and she has consistently pointed me towards that end goal where, you know, this is what this is the truth. This is what God wants. This is hard. I get it. But you know what? It's okay. One little baby step at a time. So with that said, let's look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, I'm going to just read the whole thing because it's not that long. But I'm going to focus on a couple of verses in particular. So Romans, I love Romans because Paul wrote this book to the Romans. And Paul, of all people, um, had has you know a testimony that none of us can even remotely even come close to. And if you talk about a past and bondage, Paul was that guy. So he writes this, Therefore, having been justified by faith... We have peace with God. Note that word peace and write it down. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit that was given to us, who has been given to us. For while we were still helpless, or some translations say, while we were yet sinners, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will dearly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him, referring to Jesus. 
For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned for until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Don't miss that. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification for if by the transgression of the one death reigned through the one much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ so then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There is a lot here. There's like a massive sermon here. But one thing I want to pull out is in verse 18. It says this. It says, so then as through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men. Even so, through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men how many of you out there are believers and yet you still walk and you feel condemned because of the things that you've done hey if you're like me it can be a daily battle sometimes. I sin, I fall, and I go, oh my gosh, this is like, ugh, you know, and, and I'm comfortable in it. And I walk around condemned. Even though Romans 8, 1, if you just flip over a few more pages, says there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Um, and yet, it's so easy to hold on to that and to believe it and to like let the enemy have his little grasp and like tentacles in us. And yet, the more you think about who Jesus is, going back to my question, you know, why is it easier to believe the lie than it is the truth? You know, Jesus went through 
miraculous means in order to do what he's done for us. I mean, from not only being the creator of the world and the universe, but then to come down and humble himself, you know, and be born of a, a virgin woman and then to be born a baby and then to grow up and then to be crucified on the cross for our sin, the very thing that condemned us. But it didn't end there, you guys. That's the thing. It didn't end there. Jesus was crucified. His pure, innocent, spotless blood was shed for you and me. But when he was buried and then in the grave for three days, he came back to life three days later. That's why we celebrate Easter, right? Or Resurrection Sunday, whatever you want to call it. Up from the grave he arose, you know, a mighty victor over his foes. Jesus rose from the dead. And then he went out, he talked to dudes on the road to Emmaus, and he appeared to the disciples. He, you know, especially Peter, he went back and reinstated Peter, encouraged him. You know, Peter, the guy that denied him three times. And then eventually he ascended back into heaven, where people watched him, by the way. He's sitting there now. He's alive. He's sitting up there waiting for the father to say, okay, go back and get those guys. Of course, the rapture is going to happen between now and then. But what I will say is that who he is is real. It is a historical fact Jesus lived and walked on the earth. It is documented, 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 documented that he rose from the dead. It's not a fairy tale. And yet we live in such a world of deception that sometimes it's really hard to believe the actual truth. So this year, what I want to do is I want to encourage you to embrace the truth, to wash your mind with God's word, to renew it every single day. That's why this is so hard, because we're in a world, but hopefully we're not of it. And yet today I'm going to share with you a a poem called The Stranger. We're going to do that in a little bit. That will actually tie into this to show you that we are being seduced and, you know, the lure of seduction is so, 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 there's such a pull. So to, you know, be in the world but not of it is a challenge. But the way we do it is with God's word. And we have to hide his word in our heart. We have to believe what he said. And we need to walk in freedom. There's nobody in the world that wants you to be more free than Jesus himself. He is the best friend you'll ever have. And he will never do anything to lead you into bondage or to keep you stuck in sin or in pain or agony. I dare you to show me that anywhere in the world, anywhere in the word word where Jesus did that for anybody truly seeking him and wanting deliverance from their sin. You're not going to find it. He is a miracle maker. He was a healer. Uh, he, He had a flock of people following him because of these things. But may we never forget he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he came first as a humble servant to the earth. And when he returns again, he will be returning as that king of kings and the Lord of lords. And this is not a game, people. So let's look at an article titled NASA Hires Theologians. We actually looked at uh, this last time we met. But there is an update. So this is a NASA hires theologians to study man's possible reaction to alien life. Yeah, 
<laughs> Christian leaders respond, don't be deceived. And that would be my word to you as well. So let's look at this article here. It says the piece, uh, a piece of news that has received a great deal of attention recently is NASA's reported hiring of 24 theologians to examine how humanity and specifically religious people would react to the discovery of alien life. According to the UK Times, the most significant question for the theologians to answer related to the idea of, quote, of there having been many incarnations of Christ, unquote, throughout the universe. Reverend Dr. Andrew Davison from the University of Cambridge was one of the 24 hired by NASA on the project. Davison's upcoming book, Astrobiology and Christian Doctrine, which is set to come out later this year, reportedly will cover the, quote, joint spiritual exploration conducted by the Center for Theological Inquiry and NASA. Detection, and then in brackets, of alien life might come in a decade or only in future centuries or perhaps never at all. But if or where it does, Davison asserted, it will be useful to have thought through the implications in advance. Don't you think? <laughs> Although this news has brought varying reactions, Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, uh, Kinehu in Hawaii, cautioned Christians not to be deceived. And by the way, if you don't know who Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kinehu in Hawaii is, uh, I got the blessing of interviewing him. I didn't even know who he was when I interviewed him. I was so, it was so funny, but he is one of my favorite pastors of all time. I love this man. He is a big teddy bear. He's godly. Uh, he's a sweetheart, but he knows what he's talking about. And so I highly recommend his, um, his sermons. But anyway, Frog first explained that, quote, aliens, unquote, are plainly demonic from a b biblical perspective. <clears throat> Quoting from one report which asked, between heaven and earth, where do aliens fit in? Pastor J.D. responded that the answer is straightforward. They are demons. That's how they fit in. The pastor also warned that a, quote, revelation of aliens, unquote, could also be the lie used to explain away the rapture of the church. A future event described in scripture in which believers in Jesus are caught up into heaven prior to the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. By the way, if you want to look at the verses, uh, we can look at those. I'm going to do that, actually. First Thessalonians, I'll just read this, verses 4, 16 to 18 says... For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which, which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And then First Corinthians 15.52 actually says this, In a moment... In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Can't wait for that. And then we got Titus 2.13, another one of my favorite verses, which says this. It says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah, we are. Pastor Frog is, is not the only teacher to wonder if this could be a biblically foretold deception. In his article, The UFO Setup, Could This Lie Become the Lie? Terry James examined the, the possibility of a lie surrounding aliens being prominently used during the tribulation. I've also had him on our show in the past. 
Could UFOs and aliens be but one more indicator of where this generation stands on God's prophetic timeline? Is this but one more item being used by Satan and his minions to set up Earth's inhabitants for when the church is gone in the rapture and the Antichrist is revealed? James asked. I believe it's quite possible that this is the case. Certainly no developments we see almost hourly in these strange times should be off limits for consideration as to prophetic significance. The present UFO hubbub is no exception, he added. Referencing the New York Post report, Farag furthermore pointed out that the central question the NASA theologians sought to answer, i.e. the notion of multiple incarnations of Christ in the universe, is nearly word for word what Jesus warned of in the time before his return in Matthew 24. And this is what it says, Matthew 24, 3, 4, and 5 in the King James Version. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you for many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Jesus said exactly that. In fact, it's almost verbatim. Calvary Chapel pastor said, many apparitions of Christ, many Christ will come in my name. Do not be deceived. This is a deception on a satanic scale. Farag additionally pointed to the Apostle Paul's second letter to Timothy, in which he urges Christians to understand that in the last days, people will gather to themselves a significant number of theologians and teachers to tell them what they want to hear. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 4 in the King James Version reads, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables, unquote. NASA is undoubtedly heaping to themselves false teachers whom will affirm their worldview instead of a present biblical truth, according to Ken Ham, the founder and CEO of Answers in Genesis, which I totally love that ministry. Never had Ken on the show, but I have had his brother, Steve. So <laughs> what NASA needs to do is employ biblical scholars who truly believe God's word beginning in Genesis. Otherwise, this is a futile exercise, Ham man maintained. But NASA's worldview is based on evolutionary naturalism. So they certainly wouldn't want Christians who take Genesis as literal history as it's meant to be taken, giving them the truth about the universe and life. NASA needs to learn the lessons from Job and acknowledge that God knows all things. And we need to recognize how fallible we are before him. He wrote referencing Job 42, 2-6, which I may as well read since I'm reading everything else. So you might recall Job was um, the target of Satan and God allowed him to be go through suffering. And Job had a conversation with God and and here's part of that. Job 42, two to six says, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is it? Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Please listen 
or listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. In other words, Job got an idea who God was right there. Ham has often criticized pastors and theologians who reject the literal reading of scripture to twist and mold the word of God around man's fallible ideas. As my father taught me, a Christian should never put fallible man's words in authority over God's infallible word. He recently wrote more than ever. We need to challenge people with the truth of God's word and the saving gospel. And that is what we are trying to do here at Bible News Radio. Um, we want you to walk in the Word and to know the Word and to be free this year in 2022. And with that said, Bareface, also known as my husband, do you want to come back? And yes, I do have my tree up still. Don't judge. Uh, and there he is, my handsome, hunky husband of almost 30 years. I cannot believe I've been married to him almost three zero years. It's, <laughs> that's crazy to me. Yeah, it is. You're so old looking. I am. <laughs> my hair is so much lighter than when I met you. Mine too. <laughs> like, a lot more gray in it to lighten the hue. It's funny. When I was a child, my hair was blonde and then I got, and then it got darker. And now that I'm older, it's almost, it's getting lighter again. So yeah, my first hairs were blonde as well. Yeah. But they turned dark pretty soon. You know, it was like the first, which I still have, for my first haircut <laughs> and a little envelope. But, yeah, I was blonde, like, for the first year pretty much. You know, but. What are your thoughts on what I just read? And hi to everybody out there who is watching live. Thank you for coming in because, you know, we're thinking about going to tape. So, yeah, keep, well. Keep... Well, this ties into the title of this broadcast, The Revealing of the Antichrist, uh, this story and, and this, uh, you know, the story alluded to it. I'm surprised that they didn't include Second Thessalonians in the scriptures ah. and, and talking about the lie. Um, <clears throat> uh, but I'm just going to um, pick it up. I guess I could put it on the screen too. Why not? Um, in Second Thessalonians chapter two, um, we're talking about the lost one coming. Um, um, yeah, let's. Um, well, let's just take it from the top, and we'll just go like nine verses in. It says, now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and to our gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy or that some translations say the falling away um, or the or the taking away um, uh, the idea is that something has moved some have related it to the rapture some say it's a you know theological heresy but whatever there's something that's coming and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So those are two things preceding the day of the Lord, you know, the day of judgment. First, there's this 
falling away, apostasy, or uh, or it could be the rapture, whatever. And the law, man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. So we're we're waiting on that, this the, the Antichrist, and he's going to sit himself in the temple of God. Well, where's the temple of God? It doesn't exist right now. So that's got to come. And he says, do you not remember that I, while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And you know what restrains him now... So that in this time, that in his time, he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Many commentators believe that to be the Holy Spirit, whatever. But then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming, that being, you know, the Lord coming. He says, that is the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan. Now talking again about this, this one of lawlessness, the Antichrist. The one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all power and signs and false wonders and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence uh, so they will believe what is false false um in order they may be all judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness what is false i'm pretty sure that in in the in the greek there there's a definite article and it basically believe the lie not just what is false just in general but it's it's, it's a definite article that there is the lie uh that those you know who didn't accept the truth were believing so so sorry it took so long but you know because jd frog and others referred to this in the article that you just read about ufos and the connection to you know uh, deception and and the antichrist i again i'm surprised it didn't bring up second thessalonians in that article is all sorts of other scriptures but they probably had to limit their words. Yeah, okay. I mean, they could have just referenced it like the other references in there. But, yeah. So, now I think it would be good for us to talk about deception. One of the uh, <laughs> one of the main delivery, you know, and one of the influencers, uh, main influencers of deception in, in our times. Yeah, and I and I want to read you something, and this is something, I'm glad there's more of you out there. Please share this, because what I'm about to read hopefully will convict you a little bit. Um, I love Pastor Billy Crone. J.D. Farag, I love him. Pastor Billy Crone, I love him. He has, and I, and I had the blessing of, of interviewing and meeting Billy in person, too, at the same conference. It was a prophecy conference a couple of years ago we got to go to, and I was the token media person to get to do interviews, and it was it was great. Well, Pastor Billy Crone has a new series. It's about how the media seduces us subliminally. Okay, I'm, and that's not the actual long title, but that's part of it. If you don't think that you're being seduced by the media, 
think again. This is one thing he, this, this is, this isn't the exact thing that was in his documentary on this, but I want to read you this poem. It's called The Stranger. That's what it says. Tommy Lane tells a story that attracted me. It is one that holds a secret, as you will soon see. It is a story of a stranger brought into a home to rearrange her by the father, whoever he may be. This stranger was soon accepted by all. He was short and squatty, not very tall. Mom and dad taught us kids values to fear the Lord. This stranger respected neither, but was all on board, all aboard rather. He made our family values look small. He was a storyteller, kept us spellbound. He was company when no one was around. Adventures and mysteries, his view of histories given freely, made us feel more uptown. Anything you wanted to know about politics or science, his opinion was valued, demanded compliance. He could make you laugh or made you cry. He would never stop talking. We never questioned why. As a babysitter, our folks formed an alliance. Though profanity was never allowed, he could get away with words leaving a blue cloud. Mom with embarrassment would just blush. Father would sit and just hush, and his guest, he just bowed. Dad ruled our household with moral convictions. The stranger never felt obligated or received evictions. No alcohol or tobacco was prohibited, permitted, rather. Talk about sex, prohibited, except by the stranger with no restrictions. I know my early concepts about relationships were strongly financed by ads and dealerships. They made smoking look cool. Even things never covered in school. My parents just handed over their job, their leaderships. More than 60 years have passed since this stranger arrived, and our families have been influenced, barely survived. A real trendsetter and a babysitter. No wonder we all struggled to thrive. We just call him TV. He has a wife now called Computer, you see with his first child being cell phone and a second child iPod when not at home and a new grandchild just born called iPad, oh glory be. And it gets longer. I mean, you can make that list longer. We could say it's live streaming, it's social media. Have you ever considered this? And this, there's actually another, there's another, um, there's another, uh, um, version of this out there but think about that think about it many decades ago it's not even years it's decades ago our culture was founded in america at least on godly christian principles that were in the bible the bible was the guiding force in media and then the stranger came in and all of a sudden we were all seduced by that uh it's scary um, and I'm going to be, uh, I'm, I'm kicking around an idea right now, uh, which I will get, I will announce once I determine how I'm going to do it. But um, I think the more you become aware of how this world is influencing you and intentionally is deceiving you, the more hopefully you'll have 
a pull to cling to the Word of God and memorize the Word of God like never before. I mean, when you think about what we really believe and where we're going to go as believers, don't you want to know the Lord more before you get there? I do. I want to know Jesus so good before I get there to meet him in person, you know, literally like face-to-face in person. Um, I, I want to know him so much more than I do now. And yet it's so hard because we live in a world that uh, is seducing us every single day. And if you don't think Christian media or Christian media, and I put that in quotes as part of it, uh, then you need to consider that. All right, Bareface, did you want to you wanna comment on that? Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. What did you guys think of that poem? Did you like it? Can't see any comments on that, but hopefully you guys like that. Or it convicted you and you you hated it because you're like, ah, that's so true. Yeah, I want to give a quick synopsis as quick as I can about a, uh, uh, I guess, more of an essay that was published in the early 90s uh, titled The Strange Disappearance of Civic America. I was introduced to this um um, article, this essay, and I guess really the mid nineties, because I was taking a mid to late nineties, I was taking a, a class, uh, as part of my, um, bachelor's degree, a uh, speech, uh, class, I believe it was that, and we had to give a speech, uh, based on research, something like this. And so I, through that, I was introduced to the general social survey, um, it's a ultimately university product project out of San Diego, but it's, it's, it's used a lot. Uh, it pulls in just surveys from, uh, all sorts of all across the United States and correlates them in different ways. You can connect them to anyway. So one of the things that this particular author, author, Robert Putnam of this essay, the strange civic the strange disappearance of civic America, uh, something that he, um, a trend he saw was that really since the mid fifties and following this, um, less involvement, people less involved in, in local civics groups, you know, be it Kiwanis club or, you know, the bowling league or, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, the bridge club or whatever, or or just interactions with uh, neighbors or, you know, political action groups, all sorts of civic activity, um, uh, you know, whether it be clubs or just, you know, associations, um, has had this steady decline. And I remember my own... Um, studies research using uh, the general social survey there was a question back there in the late 90s about uh, how often do you spend time with a neighbor and it was a multiple choice like um, you know once a week uh, a couple times a month blah 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 anyway the majority of people like over 50 percent i believe it was they answered never never spend time with a neighbor just people next door to them on the street never spend time together. Crazy. So, anyway, so Robert Putnam, 
He's like, well, why is why is there this drop off? And he did some extensive study and looked at all sorts of statistics, like the usual suspects, uh, busyness and time pressure, economic hard times, or according to alternative theories, material affluence, residential mobility, and you know, how often people are moving more, suburbization, the movement of women into paid labor force, disruption of marriage and family ties, you know, with with the uh, increase of no-fault divorce and all that, changes in the structure of American societies, such as riot, chain stores, branch firms, service sector, the 60s, most of which actually happened in the 70s. <laughs> People talk about this, you know, the 60s and the hippies and, and, the, and the free love and Vietnam. Most of that was really the 70s, really. Um, you know, sex, drugs, so on. The growth of the welfare state, the civil rights revolution and and you know race you know races and that kind of stuff and and what it came down to was ultimately the only thing they could explain it compared to uh previous um previous you know decades you know this changed a little but not much you know not in proportion to even you take all these things and throw them into the soup and stir them up they couldn't account for the strange disappearance of civic america but the one thing that stood out constant through those decades was television and its increase so you know robert putnam he concluded that the biggest culprit responsible for the strange disappearance of civic america is television because all the people glued around the tube yep. and they're not visiting neighbors. They're not getting involved in social activities and civic activities. It's, you know, that working anymore, moving anymore, you know, any of that is what used to be involved in a civic America is now glued to the, glued to the yeah. tube or the panel, you know? Yeah. And I mean, if you think about, and this is something I was telling a friend of mine not too long ago, if you think about, the number one influencer of this pandemic that we're in and how we should all act and the people who are all freaked out and fearful the most, how much time they spend watching the news and being indoctrinated by the lying media. They're liars, you guys. The li they're liars. They're not telling you the truth, right? They're not telling you the truth about what's going on out there. You know, this is a planned pandemic. It's not a real pandemic. Okay. It's, planned what we're going through is planned it's, a real disease a real virus it's a real disease but this whole thing does not warrant the shutdown of the world and yet what i will tell you is that this is god's allowing it it's in his plan because the antichrist has to come into world power right we've talked about this a lot and if you're new to the show and you're thinking wow you're weird whatever i don't i am weird <laughs> i admit it Openly, I'm proud of it. But what I will say is that there's got to be a one-world religion. There's going to be a one-world government. There's going to be an antichrist. And the rapture is going to take place. And we, you know, and I'm not the only one. This is the thing. This is interesting. I, over the weekend, over the, the thing, Randall was sick most of the weekend. And I, anyway, I was watching a lot of pastors, different pastors, pastors I all like. 
But every single one of them was talking about the end times rapture, the end times rapture, the end times rapture. And yes, I know it's easy to go, well, we've been talking about the rapture forever, blah, blah, since I've been a Christian. I've been a Christian almost 40 years, right? I've been thinking about it off and on for 40 years. But today I am really thinking about it because the pieces are falling into place, you guys. We live in some of the most exciting times out there, and yet it's easy to be scared by the media if you believe what the media is talking about. Check this out, though. This this article, I'm going to read this article. Um, this is over on Gateway Pundit. It's titled, will, it's titled, will, will be used whether we like it or not. Developer of the COVID microchip says there's no stopping the rollout. Uh, uh, the developer of the scannable COVID microchip that is embedded under the skin hit back at critics and said there's no stopping the rollout. Microchips are gaining popularity in Sweden and now Swedes or Swedes, I'm not sure how Swedes. Swedes are getting COVID vaccine passports implanted in their hands or elsewhere under their skin. Get your COVID certificate and a chip in your hand or elsewhere under the skin. It is increasingly popular to insert a chip into the body with different types of information. And now you can also insert your COVID certificate in the chip. Afton Bladet, Sweden's daily newspaper, reported last year. I don't know if I said that right, but I tried. Uh, skeptics and critics slammed the scannable COVID vaccine passport as invasive. However, the developer says... Too bad. The technology is here and it will be used whether we like it or not. All right. I'm not going to read anything else, but I am going to go over here. Check this out. If you have your Bible, go to Revelation. And this is impromptu here, but I'm going to go. I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story because I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. Um, if you go to Revelation chapter 13. Um, I'm going to read part of this chapter. But yesterday I was talking to a friend of mine. Um, I was talking to a girlfriend who was telling me the story of another friend of hers who um, is a guy who um, did not get the vaccine. Uh, but he has a job, right? And so he, he was thinking about getting it, but he wasn't really sure if he should get it or not. Anyway, long story short, he ends up going to this specific place where he had traveled, and there was a young person, a young woman sitting at the opening of whatever building it is he was trying to get into. And she was sitting there at a table and, and said, where's your, your pass, your vaccine passport? Well, this guy had not been vaccinated. And so he just said, I don't have it with me. And, you know, there was kind of some silence and stuff. Some, and some other person came up and same question was asked to that person. Where's your, do you have your vaccine passport so you can come in? And that person said, oh, no, I don't have it with me, but let me text my wife because she can send me a picture of it. And this other guy was standing and listening and overhearing, you know, what had just happened. And sure enough, the guy with the vaccine passport gets a picture, shows it, goes in. And, um, and then the young lady asked the unvaccinated person, do you have anybody that can text you yours. <laughs> and he said, no, I'm single, you know? And anyway, the point, the reason my friend was telling me about this is because um, there is going to be a technology 
out there. We we have, I mean, unless you're really, really brand new in the Christian faith and you've never heard of the mark of the beast, let me tell you, in Revelation 13, easy to remember this chapter because it's 13, okay? Um, and beginning in verse 11, the Bible says, then I saw another beast, and this is John, right? He's seeing, he saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast. By the way, the beast is part of the unholy trinity. Telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would, would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for the number of that. The number is that of a man and his number is 666. This is not a mistake. These people are dead serious. And I mean that in the truest literal sense of the word dead. They are dead serious about not only reducing the world's population, but also making it to where people are going to buy and sell, buy and sell. They're going to have this microchip in their hand or their forehead. And if you know anything about the technology, what I will tell you, what I've learned is the reason why it's in your hand or on your forehead is because of the heat that comes in and the amounts of blood that creates what they need in order for the chips to be activated correctly. So are you, say, are you saying that these chips are the mark of the beast? No, I'm not saying that they are, but I'm saying that they're a precursor to it. Yeah. And it is so cool that we get to live in this day and age and we get to see it right in front of our eyes. I mean, you know, my dad, who died last year, you know, um, in his lifetime, I don't know that he would have ever believed that there would a like like people would be chipped. Are you kidding? And yet we have this. I've been watching this unfold for the last three or four years, especially overseas, and it's coming. It's coming. And you know, it's interesting because the people who are awake, who can see it, you know, we're all looking like idiots to the world. Like, oh, you guys are idiots. You're stupid. Blah blah. Right. But it, it is coming. The UFO deception's coming. The chipping is coming. The one world government is coming. You look at Israel, what's happening with the temple, you know, and how they have all the things ready for the temple. The Antichrist has to come to power. We live in such exciting days. And yet, we also live in like days where you just want to smack somebody upside their head. And I'm going to end with this story. 
um, <clears throat> because it wouldn't be a story if I didn't, you know, have to share this story. Um, uh, th- this is from the Times UK. It's titled Trans Prisoners Switch Gender Again Once Freed from Women's Units. Now, before I even read this, because it's a short story, let me just say this again. Why, why am I reading this story? I'm, I'm reading it for a couple reasons. Because, number one, I never want you to forget that God created you in his image. Right? If you look at Revelation 13, we just talked about the image of the beast. It's an image. It's an image. Whose image is the most important? God's image. Humanity is created in God's image. Male and female. God created them both. There's been such an attack on humanity, whether it's through abortion, child sacrifice, you know, the transgender issue, the homosexual issue, the sexually diseased, the anything that can rip apart the image of God in a human being, you know, Satan doesn't like you because you're made in his image. He wants people to worship the image of the beast, right, at some point. So this story is interesting because we warned about this. So it says here, female prisons, prisoners rather, female prisoners in Scottish jails have told how transgender inmates serving sentences along them switch back to their male birth gender after being released. The disclosure in a study published in the British Journal of Criminology uh, has raised fresh concerns about self-identification of gender posing a risk to women's safety, duh, as First Minister Nicola Sturgeon prepares to press ahead with gender recognition legislation this year. In England and Wales, there have been a small number of incidents of violence and sexual violence involving female prisoners being attacked by trans prisoners. Uh, And um, let me go back. If you scroll up, I can't read anymore here on my page. It says here, a study by Dr. Matthew Maycock of Dundee University's School of Education and Social Work turned up no such disturbing behavior in Scotland with only some discomfort about very limited consensual sexual activity. Whatever. The, the, The point is, how stupid that is, and number one, Randall, <laughs> I just, it's like, So what? there's been consensual sexual activity between female inmates. Yeah. You know, what a woman, woman, a man. It just, now, now, disclaimer, I have all the compassion for anyone who's, you know, truly has gender dysphoria. It's, you know, or any, you know, sort of you know, identity crisis in that way. Um, you know, that's something to be, you know, to have, uh, you know, sympathy for and empathy for. I mean, that's, that's, that's a concerning thing, but we live in a day like this. Oh, it's time to go to jail. Uh, wait a second. I identify as a woman. Well, okay. Women's prison for you then. Normally, this is for women. Well, you identify as one, so that's, you know, even though you're anatomically male, you've been strip searched before you go in, you're saying you're a woman, so, all right, free pass. You know, <laughs> you can you can serve out your sentence here. And then they serve out the sentence, they get released, and, <gasps> shocking, they rediscover their male identity. So because we live in this society where... 
where regardless of your psychological condition, you can just simply say, I identify as a man. I identify as a woman. You know, I identify as a giraffe or whatever, you know. Oh, okay, that's your reality. We need to respect, not only respect that, but accommodate it. I identify as a woman. Wow, you're a criminal. You identify as a woman. Okay, women's prison. That's actually happened here with Bradley Manning, by the way. Oh, yeah, where he's like, <laughs> he's like, well, well, I'm a woman. Well, we have to take him out now, the men's prison. And because, he was in the military. Yeah. Okay, so uh, he went by Chelsea, by, by the way. Yeah. Just so you know, in case you forgot. Does he use back to Bradley now? Or, I have no I idea. I haven't followed it. But uh, my point in bringing it up yeah. is that may you never forget that you are made in God's image. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget how much Jesus loves you, that he died while you were a sinner. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. So that you could be made free. So that you could live in a life of freedom and not bondage to sin. Our sanctification is a lifelong process. But what I can tell you is that it's worth it. And the best way you can grow in your faith, in my opinion, is in community. Whether you're attending a fellowship weekly at your church or you're in a Bible study online or with me or whoever... I want to encourage you. My dog's scratching very loudly. Uh, I want to encourage you to begin to memorize God's word if you haven't done it. Get into a Bible reading accountability group. If you need one, let me know. I can get you in one of mine. That's not a problem. You know, if you need help in learning how to study the Bible, contact us. That's what we're here for. That is why I live. I live because... I can't get out of bed in the morning without thinking about how I'm going to share Christ and what he did for me and what he did for you with other people. I know there's mockers and scoffers, blah, blah, whatever. Don't care. That's prophesied in the Bible. It means it's just more legit, in my opinion. But when you've been saved and you've been rescued out of that darkness and that despair and that abuse and that stuff that the enemy just wants to crush you and make you die, die, die and go to hell and be with him. When you've been rescued from hell, it is really hard to not rejoice in who Christ is and what he's done for you. If you're somebody who doesn't yet know Jesus, I want you to know that you don't have to live in condemnation anymore. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in regret. He can wipe all of that away because he loves you. And he already did on the cross. All you have to do is believe it. Believe what Jesus said in John chapter 1 verse 12, where he said to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. That's what you want to be. You want to be a child. You want to be a child of God, so that your sins are washed away, so that your burdens are lifted, so that you're free, and you can walk uh, in freedom, and then get other people, you know, uncaptive, and bring them into freedom as well. That's what Jesus wants for us. So be encouraged in that. And I want to say thank you for tuning into the show. If you like what we do, we welcome 
your donations. You can donate at BibleNewsRadio.com. Uh, we're a nonprofit, 501c3. You can donate there. And that money helps us continue to do what we do here on the show and also in the other areas where we do Bible studies, counseling, um, you know, and Bible reading accountability groups and, and other things that we're actually putting together. I'm looking forward to something I'm super excited about, but I won't tell you now because <laughs> I got to get it in paper and on print so then you could see it. But I'm super excited about this because the more people that we can equip and that you can help us equip, the more people ultimately are going to go to heaven and make more disciples because we're all going to be following Jesus, doing what he says, and we're going to be out there declaring the truth that we are made in God's image. We are reflecting God in who we are as he made us. He fearfully, he wonderfully made us. He knit us together in our mother's womb. Don't ever forget that your value comes from him and him alone. And the enemy, Satan, wants to destroy you because of that. Don't let him. Don't let him walk in freedom. And uh, we'll see you next week, Lord willing.